TGIM, Timari. This is episode number 300. 300. But I've noticed now that being able to love my, like, loving myself better, like, allows me to love the world better. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Dusty. Dusty's sober birthday is September 21st, 2015. He is from Bozeman, Montana, and he is 40 years old. And listeners, Dusty was previously interviewed by Paul for the RE podcast almost 100 episodes ago on show number 206. Dusty plays an important role in our retreats. If you've ever attended an in-person event or if you plan on attending an event in the future, whenever we're back up and running, it is most likely that you will find Dusty making mocktails for the attendees. He has his own setup. We call it the Dusty Saloon. And some of my fondest memories of our retreats are enjoying drinks with everybody else and getting to know them thanks to Dusty's delicious creations. So thank you, Dusty, for being such an important part of our community. And this episode is special for multiple reasons, team. Today, we are celebrating 300 episodes, 300 consecutive Mondays, 300 powerful stories that are all part of our movement, our mission to help others who are struggling with alcohol, and to help them see that life after ditching the booze is not only out there, but it's fun and it's full of possibilities. Today is November 16th. However, the day of this recording with Dusty was September 21st, 2020, which means that we celebrated Dusty's five-year sober birthday as we were recording. We had a blast chatting and recording the interview, so I can't wait for you all to listen. And another reason why this episode is muy especial is because we have a very special guest on today. Pablo Churchill is making an appearance for this installment of Finding Your Better You. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this opportunity to kick back, relax, and listen to the founder of this amazing project. Take it over, Pablito. Odette, hey, it's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for trusting me with episode 300. Okay, let's get started. Well, actually, I think she's shifted that and I love her version. So, okay, let's find your better version of you. So the other day, Odette asked me if I had any topic ideas for episode 300. Immediately, the same image that always comes to mind when I hear the number 300 popped up, which is Gerard Butler's ripped body and washboard abs holding a glistening sword while his velvet cape dances in the wind. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm serious here. And I think everyone thinks of the movie 300 when they hear that number. And Odette even thought of the same thing. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you how I've been getting my 300 power stance on. I'm going to teach it to you. And then after the interview with my man, Dusty, I'm going to share with you some theories of why the world seems to be shaken like a snow globe over and over. And quick shout out to my man, Dusty, who I interviewed personally on episode 206. And he has been a huge, bright guiding light for me personally on this journey. Thank you so much, Dusty. And guys, also a huge shout out to Odette. Handing off my baby, the podcast, was difficult. 
but it went so smooth. In fact, let me share an inside joke with you. I currently hold the record for downloads in one day. That's a fact. That's a truth. But one Monday, I forgot to upload the podcast, and Odette, the resourceful woman she is, she logged in to the podcast hosting account and figured out how to upload the podcast, which is no easy task. There's a lot of steps you got to do. So she got it up by 10 a.m. instead of the normal 5 a.m. release time, and she missed the high water download mark by about 100 downloads. Now, we don't know for certain if she would have locked in that record, but I'm 99% sure it would have happened. So as long as everyone knows, just, just so we're on the same page, I still hold the record, but there's a blaring asterisk next to it. Uh, that's a hard word to say. I've said it three times now. All right. So Odette helped me out big time. And just like I have your back, the listener, Odette has mine and I have her back. We make a great team. And guys, she has a special skill. She brings the best out of everyone on the team. She now quarterbacks the RE team meetings on Mondays. She checks in with me daily to see if I've had more than two donuts for breakfast. And her lists of mini and major miracles that she's pulled off with RE just keeps growing. This woman walks the walk. All of the concepts she talks about are battle-tested. She's the iconic podcast host who practices and masters all her teachings on a daily basis. Odette also rides a Peloton. She always finishes in the top 10%, and she strives, wait, thrives, strives, or, hey, wait, Odette, I can't read your writing here. (laughs) Ha ha, I'm just kidding. You guys see what I did there? Um, I'm kidding. But not on the part that Odette, who is the current voice of this movement, is a full-on AF, AF rock star. Okay, power stance. I'm getting there. Hang in tight with me. As some of you know, I've been exploring new places for a new home base, coupled with a new home base for RE. It's exciting. But first, I need to close up shop in Montana. This last August, I went up to Montana to pack up the office, list it, and it closes in two weeks. It was such a great purge, a healthy purge. I filled several dumpsters and said goodbye to a lot of crap. So while getting rid of everything, I came across a wooden pole I built to get bags of stuffed animals off high shelves. I used to own an arcade business, and when I owned this arcade business, I used to spend about $10,000 a month on stuffed animals, or plush in the industry as they call it, and I needed a stick that I ended up custom building to get the bags off the shelf without ripping the plastic. I know, if you're in the industry, you'll know. I tried a shovel, I tried a broom, but in the end, I bought a closet hanging rod and placed two rubber stoppers on the ends. So I held this pole in my hand, standing by the dumpster, ready to throw it away like the hundreds and thousands of other items that I threw away. But I ended up putting the pole back into the truck, and it came back to Colorado with me. It's kind of like a bow staff. And trivia, which Ninja Turtle rocked the bow staff? And I'm not going to give you the answer now. I'm going to do it after the interview with Dusty. So I drive back to Colorado where I plan to stay for only three days and place some stuff in storage. Then I see an article in the Vale Daily up in Edwards, Colorado, that the Battle Mountain football team, where I played football, um, is moving forward with a condensed season with a shit ton of safety precautions due to COVID. And I said to myself, A, that's crazy. And B, I wonder if they need help. 
So I went to practice the next day, and now I'm helping out with the JV, the Junior Varsity Dogs. And it's been a lot of fun. We've had some tough losses this year, but like you on this alcohol-free journey, they keep showing up. All right, power stance. Uh, Stick with me, I promise, I'm getting there. So one day in September, I was having a challenging day, a very challenging emotional day. Now, the first six months of COVID for me were pretty much smooth sailing. I I loved it. But for some reason, the last five weeks have been hard. They've been challenging. I even asked someone to sponsor me. Yep, the recovery elevator guy needs help. Or a better way to say this is more structured connection. In fact, if you're struggling with the idea of getting a sponsor, shift it into this narrative. You're building a more structured way of connecting with somebody else who might have more time on this journey than you. All right, so here's the neat thing about the struggle in the past weeks. I've never been more spiritually grounded and I'm 100% certain this will pass. I know it, that's a truth for me. And there is zero desire to drink. How cool is that? And even though the emotional challenges I've been facing mirror those at the high water mark of my addiction, the energy around these energetic fronts are cleaner more concise, shall I say, and I'm able to get out of the story and allow the story to fizzle or burn out. Does that make sense? This whole departure from a drinking problem is a matter of where we place our energies or our awareness or presence. When we are in our story, and another way to say this is reinforcing the reasons I drink, then we deepen the neurological connections with the addiction and we reinforce why we drink. And guys, I am so happy to bring a band apart from Third Eye Blind into the podcast, and that would be the awoke musical artist Alanis Morissette. So A, if you haven't heard Alanis Morissette's new album, please do so. And B, her new song, Reasons I Drink, is so spot on. The moment I heard it, I said, yep, Alanis, we're back. Okay, power stance, we're close, stick with me. All right, on that challenging emotional day in September, I walked past that bow staff. I picked it up and I found myself lowering to the ground. My feet were shoulder width apart with knees bent and about a 15 degree bend at the waist. I wrapped my fingers around the stick, lowered my center of gravity and verbally said this out loud. I said, I'm right here, right now, what you got. And I repeated this several times. It felt good. I immediately felt stronger. And I then began to breathe into the power stance or through it. Now this builds cellular circuitry or awareness in part of our bodies where awareness didn't previously exist. And focusing on the breath while in this stance I have found is a fantastic way to get out of the story. So I kept doing this day after day. I've been exploring different stances, stretches, postures, and of course, ninja moves, all while holding this bow staff, and it's been a lot of fun. In fact, at upcoming retreats, you bet your behind, we're all gonna be finding our power stances. So here's what I want you to do. Now, warning, keep in mind, I'm now a 3A JV football coach, so this might get intense, and I am wearing a whistle. All right, no, seriously. So I want you to grab a stick, a rake, or whatever, and ideally stand in front of a mirror. Or maybe all you can do is stand in a dark closet. Do whatever you want and do your best. Put on some feel-good pump-up music with good headphones on and get grounded. Bend the knees, bend the ankles, feet shoulder-width apart, and get ready. Get low. Grab the stick tightly, but not too tight. 
Turn your body sideways, whatever way feels most natural for you, and become one with your rake. Or twist it off broomstick, become one with it. If you're standing in front of a mirror, look at that person in the eyes and say, I'm here, right now, what do you got? Say it again, louder this time. There you go. Do it again, but I want you to get lower. Find the stance. Focus on the connection from the bottom of your feet to the earth. Ideally, this is done without shoes on the planet Earth. Now, winter is approaching. <laughs> winter is coming. Where, what, 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 is that move? What, what is that line from? Um, so if you can do this outside, even better. You may not feel like it, but the strength is there to overcome whatever comes out of the doors of the game of life. It's there. Trust me. Now, while doing this, remember in the movie how much ass those dudes kicked? They were always outnumbered, but they just kept tossing dudes and giant elephants off cliffs because they stuck together and they were in their power stance. They were grounded and maybe even stoked the fire a little bit. Pull up a painful moment from the past, maybe when you felt lonely or abandoned as a kid and begin to change the script. Bring in that old unfinished emotion, not the story, and feel it slightly. There you go. We're safe. We can do this. Tell yourself in the inner child, I got your back. I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. You know who else has your back, listener? Odette does. And I have Odette's back and she has mine. And we both know that you all, the listeners, have our backs. You guys, we've gone through a lot this year. We all have. And although we walk this pathway of a better you together, at the end of the day, you need to be grounded personally, you and you alone. The cool thing about this is it can be practiced. So pull out the Beastie Boys B-side tapes or whatever gets you pumped up and breathe into this stance. Again, get out of the story. Let it burn out and cross the river to the other side as the Buddha says. When I'm in this stance, sometimes while standing in front of the mirror, I pull up my shirt. Now, currently, it's the direct opposite to Gerard Butler's abs since I've done some emotional eating during COVID and my pant buttons have definitely been social distancing, but I embrace it. In fact, I love the extra weight. I might need it later. Who knows? Well, that's actually rhetorical since the greater intelligence does know and I have to trust this process and get out of the story. So guys, it's been so much fun to be back with you and please find your mother power stance, says Coach Church. And don't forget to breathe calm into this power stance as well. Remind the nervous system that you're okay in this moment. When departing from alcohol, here are the two main keys to success. You need a supportive and loving community. And you have to create accountability with others who have the same goal in mind. Whether you want to ditch the booze for a month, a year, or are simply sober curious, you'll get both of these on Cafe RE. These groups are unsearchable on Facebook. What is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19, you get access to the community, get paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of monthly fees goes towards our service project where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. 
Another portion goes to in-person meetups. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, Odette, I'm going to introduce Dusty if that's okay with you. Dusty, my man, welcome back to the podcast. Dusty, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's good to be back. It's been like two and a half years or so, and so it's good to be uh, good to be back on the show. I'm so excited to have you and you guys. Dusty is five years sober today. We booked it on the day of, on purpose, as part of the celebration. <laughs> and congrats. I'm really happy with you today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's it's weird. Like, you know, I think we were talking like before you hit record that just some emotions come through on, on days like this. And uh, and yesterday was like, uh, yesterday was like the anniversary, the five year anniversary of the rock bottom. And today was the anniversary of uh, of uh, my like, you know, first day without alcohol. So, yeah, it's uh, just there's a lot of emotions the last 24 hours. I want to further get into this as we get closer to how you got to year five and I want to learn more thank you so much for being open and sharing it's it's a roller coaster and five years is a long time but we were also discussing how you get to know yourself more and more stuff keeps coming up and with that comes feelings yes it certainly does it certainly does and for all of you listeners who haven't heard Dusty's story I'm still going to ask him to do a recap and a little intro the way we always do. But the episode that he was on previously was episode 206. I made note of that here. It aired January 2019, I think. Um, yeah. I'll have to fact check myself or Katie will have to do that for me. But episode 206. So Dusty, I know I just said it's your five year, but your last drink was the 20th of September, right? Five years ago. Correct. All right. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? What do you like to do for fun? And just tell us a little bit about Dusty. Sure. So let's see. I am. Uh, I was born and raised in Bozeman, Montana. I did leave for a few years, but I uh, I am back living here. I've been here. I've been back for about eight years now. And let's see. I am the finance director for a uh, local nonprofit here in Bozeman. I, uh, as of yesterday, am now engaged. So. <laughs> To a lady uh, that is one of the coolest ladies that I've ever met. So I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some of you may, would have met her, whoever was at the last Bozeman retreat uh, last summer. She helped me uh, run the uh, the Dusty Saloon. So some of you did have the pleasure of meeting her. And then, you know, for fun, I would say I, um, I'm, I'm still a big rec sports league guy. So even though that kind of got kind of messed up this year with COVID still managed to get uh, a little bit of kickball in and softball this summer. And I think this winter, I don't know. We'll see. I might, I might try to play some hockey this year. I noticed last year when I didn't play any rec sports, it definitely had an effect on my psyche. So I, uh, I figure I got to get back out there and play some, just get some team sports going. Yeah. I love uh, that you said that, like, you know what you need and you know what your mental health needs and when it's not there there's something there that's wobbly right yeah exactly and then um and then just other things you know i live in montana so i make use of it so uh i love being outside so a lot of hiking uh camping uh got back into hunting last year and uh do a little bit of fishing but uh yeah just like being outside and uh there's not too many you know 
nice days left, so I'm just trying to uh, to eke out the last bit of late summer, early fall, nice weather that I can. Can't all have that San Diego weather. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't <laughs> complain at all. But you guys do have a pretty neat backyard. I got to visit the office and Paul and Ty and Dusty, who's in Bozeman, I think two weeks ago already. And we did some hiking. It's beautiful over there. It's great that you guys have nature when it, while it's available, when it's not super cold and snowy. But it's. I'm glad you enjoy being outside because it's healing and you guys have amazing views and amazing mountains. And even the air smells different. When there's no yeah. fires going, because I know there was fires for you and for us here as well. Yeah, man, been <laughs> sick of this fire season business. Hey, Fire season, COVID season, but also <laughs> you just got engaged, Dusty. So I'm glad we have some good news. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll bring some rain. That'll be like the, like the rain dance we need. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty, tell me why you broke up with alcohol five years ago. Tell me what happened. Tell me about your journey with alcohol and what got you here. Sure. I'll give the quick story. So the day I decided to quit drinking, the day before my last day drinking, we were out downtown watching college football all day. And it just resulted in a uh, just a full day, just drink fest. And then by around 930, I just... I, blacked out and went home and I think and uh the next day I had a, a friend that was uh having a going away party she was uh, yeah gonna be leaving town for like a year gonna be traveling the world and so we just I went to this local bar hung over as hell but I was like oh god I'll make it down there and, and I go there I order uh, order a beer and I'm sitting there chatting with some people and listen the bartender approaches me and just like just lays into me about um, saying if I she was working, she would kick me out of the bar. I'm like, what? And as it turned out, like there was a girl there that I actually had, um, as a friend of mine that uh, I had uh, assaulted that night before. Uh, mm. Thankfully, like not like horribly bad, but you know, I, I kicked her in the like in the like, in her back on her backside, pretty hard enough to scare her, you know, and. Uh, she just happened to be at that bar that day too. And I was like, I didn't believe the bartender when she's telling me this. I'm like, I would never do that. And then I look, I happen to see that girl and she's looking at me and I'll, it's that look. I'll never forget that look. And I felt like, I felt like a monster. I really did. I was like, holy cow. I really did that. So I, uh, I put that beer down. I forget. It was a, it was a medicine river, river salmon fly, <laughs> set it down, paid my bill, told, uh, told my friends uh that i have uh accounting stuff to do like you know usually any public accountants out there you get you can get out of a lot of stuff by just saying you have tax stuff to do (laughs) (laughs) that's what i told my friends i'm like all right i gotta go because i was someone was probably gonna beat the hell out of me because there was a lot of uh angry people there uh there so paid my bill and never touched it again so that's that's been my sobriety. That was like my a big sobriety fuel for a long time. It was just like okay, I, I I lost control. So and I knew that I had a problem before. Like I may have never said it out loud, but I knew it mentally. Like I always put all these rules. Like you know, and mm-hmm. every every guest that you have on this show, like we all have the same rules. You know, I'm not going to drink during the week, or only going to drink two beers and you know we never follow those rules right so 
and you're only setting those rules if you have a drinking problem. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, in the back of my mind, I, I knew I had a problem, but I just never could be honest with myself. And then that day made me become honest with myself. That and, was the uh, uh, big aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just a culmination of uh, all the symptoms and, you know, and, uh, and that was the one that was it. And it's been a five year journey of self-discovery and it's been, it's been a heck of a ride. It's been, it's been wild. I've met some incredible people too. So it's like, like life restarted again five years ago. I love that you said it's a journey to self-discovery because I do like reminding that to people who may have a different ride in the sense of going back to drinking and then starting over and resetting that tracker. And a lot of people get stuck in that cycle. And I'm like, it's all a part of the journey. Like, it doesn't mean that you like get to take yourself out. You're still in it. You're still in the journey. And it's still the journey of self-discovery, even if you relapse or have an oopsie or whatever you want to call it. It's just bundled up when you when something shifts and you decide like, you can't even recognize your, yourself. How am I that person? You ju- that's when you start, no matter what the future looks like. But you're just courageous enough to look at yourself in the mirror and take accountability, which is yeah. hard. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like that whole like month or two after that, man, I just like laid low and just sort of I was like, wow, okay, it's like life starting again. I remember that. I was, I did a lot of walks, listened to a lot of music, and yeah, I just, uh, you know, avoided avoided really any kind of parties or bars for for quite a while there, just uh, just to be away from it. Yeah. When did the when did the community component come into play for you? How far along were you in where you were like? Like, did you think like I should find people, or how did that? How did community play a role in your journey? So I, I'm pretty darn lucky that I knew Paul before, like before all this, you know, Paul being here, like he had quit a year before I did like a year and two weeks. Exactly. I think this is the September 7th. And so, but we were friends before that. And then, so when, uh, I think I, like a month after that happened, um, he had, he had been traveling during that. And so I think, so when he came back like a month later, I told him and he was the first person I told. So I had that community and uh, I, I had that community within my, within my crew. I just, I had to wait for it to get, get back to town. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that uh, month and that month had to be hard. So that month without telling anybody and without the guy that you knew you could talk to about it, not being there. I feel like that first month is like your brain is trying to talk you back into like, do I really want to do this? You haven't told anyone dusty. Like I could just, go back to normal i'm sure you had a lot of push pull yeah there oh, there was you know there was just a lot of like i i was pretty like even though like a month in like that whole month first month like i didn't i as i recall i i still didn't like want to drink like that was i still knew like that wasn't an option for me but it was heavy though i needed to get it off of my chest and but and that was like but that was like the best person i knew i could talk to i didn't really feel like aa was an option for me at that time so and then like paul was just starting to get this recovery elevator thing going you know i think he'd done he'd been doing the podcast for probably eight months or so and uh he was just starting to like he did like the very first 
meetup, which was like just like a statewide one. And I think there was like one or two people that came from Wyoming and it was uh, it was like December. So it was like three months after I decided to I decided to quit drinking. And it was so cool. That was like the community started that day because right? I started telling absolute strangers my story and like things I was most ashamed about in my during my drinking. And it came out so easily. You know, just being in that environment. So being in that environment that you know is safe with a bunch of other people that are going through the same thing. Gosh, that was that was so huge. So now so now going to these other like retreats and stuff, it's just such a neat thing and I see how powerful they are and being like and um so that's that there was like how the my community just started and, and started building it from there. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful you knew Paul and that you were a part of Cafe RE before I even joined. I think one of my favorite dusty memories is, I think it was Nashville where Jenny's ice cream was. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Nashville. Uh, we were both at the same retreat and um, both Dusty and I really like ice cream. This has been mentioned before that we like ice cream on this podcast. And apparently, is Jenny's from Nashville? I think it is. I think, yeah. well, there's an ice cream that's delicious called Jenny's Ice Cream. And the last day of the retreat, a few people that attended went on a run for, went on an ice cream run and went and got some pints of Jenny's. And I was so tired because I had been helping with the event and I didn't go on the ice cream run. But Dusty made sure that I got a pint back. And it was like midnight, I think. And I'm a grandma who likes to go to bed early, but it was like a pajama party with everyone eating ice cream. And it's so much fun. Like those are the best memories when we're actually not even doing workshops or anything that we paid for. We're actually just shooting the shit and eating ice cream together. It's the best. Exactly. Yeah. Because like you've already like, you know, just like tell everybody your darkest secrets <laughs> and the worst things you've ever done. And, uh, and so now you can just be like, okay. And uh, so you already build like a deep friendship foundation that takes years and you do it in a weekend with all those people. And you know what? After, after you shed some tears and you do all that, eating ice cream and laughing sounds like a really good idea. Uh, and- it's, <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a treat. And it's so much fun. And I want to know, Dusty, how have the years change this for you how has having one more year far from alcohol change your perspective like imagine you're like sitting in an arena watching a football game and like when you are just starting sobriety you're like front and center a lot a lot revolves around how am I going to make it alcohol free just this day because you you, our routines were so ingrained in it but I'm assuming like the more reps you add to the new routine that shifts and maybe you're just sitting like in the corner for a while or a few rows back and you're not like having to be so absorbed in it. So how, how has that evolved for you in the last five years, Dusty? So like, I would definitely say like that first year I was, I wasn't really white. I wasn't really white knuckling it, but like I was always, I was so consumed with like, got to get to that one year, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, it's such a, you know, it's a monster milestone that yeah. very make it to. Right. So that was like, that was the whole goal, the whole like first year. It was just like, don't touch it. It's okay that I'm having ridiculous sugar cravings and I'm just like crushing candy and pot. <laughs> like it's not alcohol, right? So, and then, then eventually like, I was like, okay, that's getting out of hand. So started cutting back on the sugar, but 
so like that first year was like really just like all about just getting through that first year and and but you know i didn't really like it but then like it really started like changing like my in the second year when i finally like because I, I never really did aa until like year two but like a, a year almost two years in that was like the first bozeman retreat and i went to it and it was the first time i ever told my story and not only was it the first time I ever told it, it was the first time I ever really heard it. And holy moly, I just like lost it. I was like just crying and and um, like like I had to like <laughs> I don't know who shared after me. I it was Bubba. I don't know if Bubba's still listening uh, to the show, but uh, I didn't hear a word he said. I was just like a mess. I'm laying on the grass, just like, oh my god. But boy, I just needed to purge it, and I needed to hear it, and it was it was like such a huge moment for me. And then, uh, but then after that, that's when like real healing started, and that's when it was just like, it wasn't just like a physical addiction. Why I was addicted to alcohol, right? Like, but it took me it it so that. But that was like a few more years. It wasn't until like right around uh, the Nashville retreat, like which is you know it's kind of how I do my my checkpoints mm-hmm. along with recovery time, and that's when I uh, uh, realized that uh, so much my like my alcoholism wasn't uh, wasn't the the problem. It was the symptom, and of like, and uh, it was the symptom of growing up with the uh, alcoholic father and just like that. Uh, and just that it was, you know, it was abusive. It was verbally abusive. It was thankfully it wasn't physically or anything else like that, but it was very verbal, very scary. You know, when you're five years old and less than that, like your memories of your dad are just fearful. So I, you pick up all of these survival tactics mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of them is just to like, stay quiet, you know, cause when you're four and five, when it comes to fright or fight, flight or freeze, when you're five, you can't run away from a 45 year old and you certainly can't beat them up. So the only option you have is to just freeze and stay quiet. Right. So that was a coping mechanism I had for like the longest time. And it, it's taken me and I'm finally starting to realize that. And, and so, but like through like high school, like when I started drinking and was because i needed it for the confidence you know i needed it to like come out of my shell and be a little more boisterous now going down that path of discovery is uh it's like whoa it 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 was it gave alcohol a lot less power over me i'll tell you that because when i realized it was a symptom and not the problem it was just like oh okay so yeah you don't have any real power over Mm -hmm. me it's this other thing that i need to deal with and yeah, you're just like a part of it. So now, so now like coming into year five, I started, uh, I finally started doing therapy, which has now been so helpful. And, uh, so that's, that's, that's now what I'm, what I'm diving into now. And we're just starting to, we, we had been doing the last couple of months, just the surface level stuff, just the things that were just kind of currently going on in my life. And now we're, now we're diving into the deep stuff. And, uh, so now it's, it's kind of exciting. I'm, I'm ready for it to, you know, really dive into that and, and really just move on you know, or whatever. If moving on is, I don't know if that's the right word, but get some more healing. Heal. Yeah. And it sounds like you've made space. I, I really like that you said that the retreats are kind of like checkpoints. And even if you don't attend retreats, I think that 
when we subscribe to recovery, there's this myth of like, we even talk about it in the sugar terms, like I'm going to work out, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to not do sugar. We shortly realize that for most people who aren't robots, that doesn't work. It's like one baby step at a time. But I think we, we've talked about that often. And even in the last couple of episodes, we've touched on that. But I like this is different. I think that we also have that expectation of, oh, we're going to find out why we drank and we're going to find out everything about ourselves. And you think that just by quitting, you'll get to know yourself immediately in real time with the decision. And I really like the, what you're exploring here, which is it's taken time to peel those layers and get to know yourself. And I think maybe like now that you are not consumed by like getting to the year or now that drinking isn't really even a craving as much as the beginning. Now you have space for a different type of healing. Like it, the timing is everything. And I do feel like we are many times impatient and we just want to know how to fix it and how to not feel and how to make it better. But I think we just have to trust the timeline of whatever, whatever pace we're on is the right pace. It's not just immediate self-discovery immediately because I'm sober. I'm like a guru. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world if it didn't, if it wasn't like four years in when I realized that, you know, so if those that are listening that have, that are adult children of alcoholics, please take note. Especially if you're like a few months in, boy, you could, uh, you could, uh, you could really, you know, you could, I'm giving you the shortcuts here. So. <laughs> uh, Dusty, tell me, tell me what came up for you yesterday. I know we briefly discussed it. You had a lot of feelings. Do you think they were paired with what you're learning about yourself now? What was on your heart yesterday? That, uh, yeah, it really was. And it, it, it just got, got me back to, you know, like my health, like my drinking problem and, and, it also like I did get bullied in high school and that a part of that was because of the lack of confidence I had from having like being in a, like a child of an alcoholic in a broken home. And like, you know, kids just like, man, they just can pick up on that. Right. And like, it was never anything I ever did to them. They just would like pick just general things and just like make fun of me for it. And so like, that was like some, you know, it, that still hurts when you sit back and think about it. And so yesterday thinking about having my last drink and like being like wow like being like an alcoholic and then like just doing the timeline backwards and like all of the things that like were just the cause of like growing up in the household i did and it just there was definitely some anger that came through and a lot of sadness because like there was a lot of pain that there that that i grew up with that like wasn't my fault Right. That uh, it just it, it came uh, it just being being just a victim, you know, and surviving, you know. And uh, so that, yeah, I'll definitely like I was telling you, but, you know, when before we print record, Lotus and I were just sitting down and to eat dinner. And we always say like a grace to ourselves. And I just started crying, you know, like. All the, because uh, we, you know, we try to do it for things that we're grateful for. And so I was just kind of going back through that timeline. And boy, I just, I started, I started crying in my chicken soup, you know? <laughs> and so much of it was just, yeah, just like going through that pain again. And uh, 
and just things that I've learned in therapy now. Um, and, uh, just like things like the dad, like the, the person, my, my dad, my dad is and was, and, you know, now we have a good relationship now. I mean, you met him, he was at the birthday party, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Odette was at my 40th birthday party. Which Woo -woo! I also <laughs> ate a banana bread. Your dad made banana bread and it was delicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's see that guy can brew up some banana bread. So like, and he gave up drinking 20 over 25 years ago. So yeah, so I don't like view him as this like a total monster, but like, you know, but when you're five, certainly is and like that, but like that just was my base of like, and, and how I cope. And if you, if those that are, are like, uh, if you ever been to an adult child of alcoholics meeting, they're almost exactly like AA, like it's even like the same book. And like, they have like, there's like 12 characteristics that adult children of alcoholics have and i can't remember them all but i had like 10 of them <laughs> and uh some like people pleasers and lack mm -hmm. confidence and becoming an alcoholic and um just just things like that things like i think a lot of us that are listening today you know share so uh, yeah just all these like i just i was kind of dwelling i guess on the negative a little bit yesterday and it just was bubbling up and uh it was good it was good to kind of face it and purge it and uh thankfully lotus was there so i was able to just like talk to her and get it out it's good you um dusty and i talked to each other a few weeks ago as well and i was going through some stuff and he was like let it out let it out let it out so it was your turn to let it out and i'm grateful that you are in a relationship where, I mean, the fact that you didn't even see it coming and it hit you and you started crying, like you felt safe and we, we have to continue to process. And I think that as an adult child of an alcoholic myself, you and I share that it's, you can, you can forgive and move on, but at the same time, sometimes that inner child still hurts and it, and it's hard it's hard to to reconcile all those things but yeah i mean the adult children of alcoholic thing it it can be i don't know what you felt but when i read there's like this laundry list of characteristics and then there's um all these symptoms and everything and for me i mentioned it on another episode when i read these things and i'm like me 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 there's like there's like two flavors of ice cream like you're either like holy crap like it can either be depressing or fueling and it, it it can come and go some days i'm like fuck and then some days i'm like you know what at least i know myself and then i can use it to propel me in a different direction but it's it's stuff that you just have to confront that's the thing you have to confront these things and have the courage to work on them and and write a different ending if that's what you want so Good job on going to therapy, Dusty, because it's a lot. It's hard. Yeah. And I, you know, it's not like I was ever like against it. I, I don't know. I guess it was just like the idea. I, I don't know if I didn't think I could afford it or if it was just like the amount of time or just didn't know how to make the time. But holy moly, you know, there's so many options out there now. Like it's not just you don't have to go sit with a psychiatrist on a leather couch and mm -hmm. every hour, every week. And it's not, you know. You can do that, but there are so many other options out there now to just like have a therapist. And really the most important thing is just like I find is just having a third party, but someone that's qualified at the same time, but a third party that I can just let it all out. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, man, it's so helpful. 
it's, still helpful. it's totally helpful and i'm i'm grateful you brought it up there's still i because i live in my california bubble i think that everybody goes to therapy but there's still a lot of stigma around it and you don't have to you don't have to wait until your life is in the ditch to talk to someone about your life because we all have little things that that we want to work on and then we have access to people who help us work through this so thanks for bringing that up and i want to know yes how the relationship with Dusty has changed in five years, like the way that you used to talk to yourself or what you thought was possible five years ago to now. Have you noticed a shift in like your, your, your beliefs about yourself, the way you talk to yourself, the way you love yourself? How has that changed? Yeah, the, certainly the, um, I love myself a lot more. That's still something I still have to work on though. Certainly like, and like there's still like confidence stuff, stuff but that's gotten a lot better too. But I've noticed now that being able to love my, like, loving myself better, like, allows me to love the world better, too. So that, that's been, that's been a huge thing. And so, yeah, with that, certainly, like, just loving myself more is one thing. And just, like, taking it easy on myself, too. Holy moly, I used to be, like, my own worst critic by a mile. Mm -hmm. Holy, I, you know, I used to be so hard on myself and, uh, it took, uh, it took some time, but, uh, um, you know, I still, I, you know, I still beat myself up a little bit, but, uh, not near what it used to be, man. I used to like, yeah, I used, that, that was bad. So that's gotten a lot better too. And, and, you know, I like the, what I see in the mirror too now, like I'm a lot healthier physically person too. You know, like one joke I like to have is like right before I quit drinking, like I would get gout, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and like, you know, and I was 30 pounds overweight and like, I, you know, there's, there's photos I have on my phone that I won't, I, I, I won't, um, uh, delete from like that time from like when I was at my heaviest, there's a picture of me playing dodgeball and like, I just, you can, I just see how like bloated I am. And, uh, I used to get like, really like ooh, queasy when I would see that picture and like would want to delete it. But then I'm like, no, no, that's a, that's a reminder. That's, that's a view of how far you've come, you know, and don't, don't go back to that. And the fact that you don't want to delete it too, is a, a, a metric of self-acceptance as well. Like that you're like, yeah, like this is how far I've come and it is motivation. And I want to talk about this because you mentioned earlier that, what happened at the bar at the beginning, seeing yourself as like someone you wouldn't recognize a monster. That was huge motivation to like, I don't want to drink anymore. When that, yeah. when that shame and that guilt started fading, what have you noticed shifted into like that spot had to be filled by a new motivation or what kept you going after like the one year milestone and what did you feel like shifted into? This is why I'm doing this after that. You know, I, I was really lucky. I feel like I had a pink cloud for like years. <laughs> so like, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't always like completely like totally like obvious every day, but every time I think about it, like I would just start feeling, I just start feeling really good and just like how much better my life is and how absolutely everything in my life was better. There wasn't a single thing that got worse mm -hmm. from from putting the bottle down so that that became the primary motivator just like if you do take that if you do take that drink like you're just going to be taking steps back and um so that's that was the huge one that every everything like whether it's relationships 
even just like, you know, the person I want, I am like physically healthier, like emotionally and mentally healthier too. Like I would, there would definitely like, there would just be like negative thoughts that would just like creep in from like drinking that poison, you know, and it poisons your mind. Mm-hmm. And I would just like say things that were just to people that are just mean. I like, why, you know, and I would like try to say it as a joke, but it wouldn't come off as a joke. And it was like, oh, God, that was, that was just mean. And uh, that's not me at all. Right. And uh, so that was, that was the main thing. Yeah. As I just, everything in my life was better and it was just not worth going, having, having uh, like another sip of bourbon. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. Not worth it, especially when everything's getting better, like you said. And that doesn't mean that your problems go away or you don't have to work on yourself anymore because you're just sharing with us how you're having to work on so many layers that were kind of deep in there. So it doesn't mean that you're just like, woo! It just means that you, I feel like you're also confident enough to, not just physically in all of those looks, but you're confident enough to heal yourself and to have healthy relationships with other people which is which is great to see because dusty you're such yeah. a cool guy you're not you're not a mean guy no i'm glad i never met drunk dusty to be honest with you you know i will say like it was like 99 percent of the time he was he was a pretty fun guy it's those uh you know it's those one percent moments yeah that uh you know that lead us to this point so do you still get cravings at all not really not for not for alcohol. I, I've gone to the point now where it's just, I think I've been a lightweight from it long enough. There was like, there was like one or two times where like, like maybe a craving came in. Cause like, I don't know, got like rejected by a girl or something, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that was like, Ooh boy, I could go like, like the idea of having a drink then, but like there wasn't too many moments though, that like really made me want to ha- have a drink. And, uh, and if, when they did come, when they did pop in, like I would just go back to that thought process of everything in my life is better and it would it'd go away pretty quick. What do you do when life throws you a curveball or when you get out of a therapy session and you're like, man, I just got worked in there. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I get out, my eyes are all swollen. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you just feel like your heart needs a little bit of relief and drinking doesn't even cross your mind anymore? What are some tools you like? Uh, let's see here. Well, I was, I haven't had that moment in therapy yet where I'm like, sorry, sorry, it's coming. (laughs) It's coming. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I do find like exercise does, does, does work. Um, I, I, I do run a lot more, so I do get a lot of, uh, like, I don't, I don't really meditate like I should, you know, I, I really don't have a meditation like routine, but I do find that I, when I run, I do get that meditative, like, because I think you're a runner too, right? So like you know what I'm talking about. You just kind of like get in the zone, you know. So that 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 certainly helps. But uh, yeah, I guess when I do have like really like like something is just like really not going my way, like I will like sit and meditate and like just sit with it and see like why where that emotions are coming from, like that's or try to like sit with it and see where it's where it's coming from. That's that's uh, that's like a big one big one for me now too so so yeah i guess i meditate when i when i need to and then uh, yeah or just talk to somebody i do i am blessed with so many wonderful dear friends and family too i have lovely family and i have a wonderful woman that loves me and i can i very open with her and she's uh, she's a rock so i that's that's a big part too i'm i'm quite the social creature so having uh, <laughs> 
uh, wonderful people in my life is such a blessing and being able to talk to them. Yeah. So, and it, I guess it just depends what the problem is and that what person I guess I, you know, I can talk to. So I'm so lucky that I have options like that. Yeah. You are very supported and very loved. And I know that for a fact. So I'm, I mean, you, when you're working on yourself, all of those people around you are benefiting from that work. So that like it, you don't just have all these wonderful people just because you've, you've put in the work and, and that, that shows that you have your community, not just with us in Cafe RE, but with your family and the people that you spend your life with. Because for a while there, I, sometimes it feels like recovery. We have our little bubble and recovery friends and, and it's great. And we're very unique. And I feel like we're all, we have superpowers of our own with our, with our struggles. But at the same time, I think that what makes this journey even more beautiful sometimes is like when those when recovery and real life kind of blend and you're able to find that same support and that same love within your own family or with your own friends that maybe still normally drink like that's really cool when you're just the same person across the board and you just know I'm loved and like I'm a good human and I'm supported and loved that's that feels good it does yeah oh yeah and uh It was it was really cool. Like at that birth at my birthday, like just to have like the the people I really love and just like know and like just be reminded, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty loved guy. I'm really blessed. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love it. I love yeah. it, Dusty. Yeah. Um and yes, I am a runner too and I heard that we may even at some point run a race together. We haven't even signed up for it yes. because of COVID, but maybe one day we will wear our RE hats and cross the finish line of some sort of race. Yes. <laughs> yes. And who, you know what? And who knows? Because with COVID, we may just have to get creative and just run Virtually. our own race on our own. And uh, no need to wait for vaccines to show up and whenever we can have races again, which are what, like a year away. Like, I don't want to wait that long. No. So, we're, who knows? we're training we'll for life. To, we're training for yeah. life at this point. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Those races, it's not like I'm finishing in the top 10 in those anyway. So I'm racing against myself. So why I don't need a, I don't need a race. I don't need to, I don't need to pay the money right now and to sign up for a race when all I'm going to be doing is racing against myself anyway. Running is such a good tool. So I'm glad we share that. And Dusty, we've reached the rapid fire round. So oh boy. Are you ready? If we get, yeah. I have new questions, so I hope you're ready. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's do it. Okay. If you could talk to Dusty on day one, what would you say to him? Okay. I love this question. So I noticed when you first took over this uh, a podcast, I'm like, oh, man, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, I would say on day one, I would say, Dusty, dude, Sit with this shame for a while because you're going to need it for fuel. But don't uh, don't sit with it forever. Don't dwell on this forever. But use this as fuel. And uh, and man, you are about to embark on one incredible journey. So just uh, enjoy the ride. Uh, all the ups and downs. There's going to be some ups and downs, but I can guarantee you, there's going to be a lot more ups and downs, and the ups are going to be a lot higher than the lows are going to be low. What has recovery made possible for you, Dusty? I have uh, realized that um, I just, uh, it's made me more of a leader. And like, you know, I said, I didn't really go to AA. I did, uh, I have, I've gone to a few, but 
But I think, and I know a lot of people that they're not really that, you know, I hear a lot of people say AA isn't for them. Um, but there are, there is one thing that I would pull from AA that I have found that like a lot of people on whatever other recovery path they take is AA, whether we know it or not, produces leaders. Because when you first start, you know, you're just trying to get, tell your story, but the people that have been there, they're, that it's ingrained in the program to like look out and, and help those, the, those that are new to the program and being of service and to be of service, you got to be fit for service. So I have found that it, it just, we're really blessed in, in so many ways to have, to have this addiction that we'd have. And one of the blessings is whether we know it or not, it grooms leaders and, we are, I, I see it now all the time I, when I like go to these uh, like the recovery elevator retreats or retreats. Like I'll see people that are just like the beginning. They've never been to one. They're scared. They're nervous. And you know you just have people that are kind of the veterans and they put their arms around people and make them feel welcome. And uh, you know maybe tell their story first. Let them know that like they're in a safe place. And by the end, it's incredible. Like seeing like how much you just see the growth and. You can see that those people are, are ready to like help the next person that's that was in you know because they've been in their shoes right so that's that's the one beautiful thing with recovery that i have found is just like stepping into that leadership role for sure you're right it's an opportunity and it's just a, like a a circle that you can just hop in and like i always like referencing as a net we just keep building this net together so i love that you brought that up What's your favorite ice cream flavor, Dusty? Ooh, you know, I got to go with, uh, let's go, Ben & Jerry's Americone Dream. <gasps> so good! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so delicious. It's also yeah. a favorite around here. It's so delicious. Ben & Jerry's, I mean, you can't go wrong with Ben & Jerry's. No, no, you really can't. That, and I'll go with, uh, if I'm not feeling that one, uh, especially since... Uh, Lotus is, uh, she's got the celiac, so she's gluten-free. So so I'll get the Cherry Garcia. That's what that would be number two. That'll be your number two. Those two are usually yeah. at any CVS, Walgreens, any store. So we're good. We're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that I can share that one with her. She can't have the Americundra. That's okay. What so. book are you reading right now if you're reading something, Dusty? Oh, so I've just sort of... Uh, taking a step back from like any recovery stuff or in or spiritual stuff and i but i i love uh i love biology and so i am currently reading a book about crows and ravens it's got i think it's in the presence of crows and ravens and it's just uh i love those birds i just have a great admiration for them uh, i love how intelligent they are and uh how they're like the only like non-primate that makes tools wow yeah they're unbelievable and they're incredibly intelligent, and I just have a huge uh, admiration for them. So I'm just reading up on them. We have so much to learn from animals, and it's nice, I think, when we we come back to reading about the things that we love after we read all those quit lit books. I also have been going back to novels, and you know, it's almost like we can reconnect with our interests or even start new interests. But I'm happy to hear that. You'll have to tell me more crow facts. 
Okay. Okay. And before we <laughs> depart, Dusty, can you give listeners your own, you may have to say adios to Boo Zip line. It has to be different than your last one. All right. I will. Yeah. If you are a recurring guest on this show, then uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that might be the like A1 thing. Yeah. If you keep coming back on this like, you know, alcohol show, then uh, yeah, you might, uh, you might have an alcohol problem. So. I'm so happy that you came back now that I'm hosting. So thank you, Dusty. I absolutely had to. Yeah. So I was like, man, I got to get on. I got to talk to my girl. O and, uh, and, uh, get her, get her on this, you know, just it, support you. It's so cool. You're doing such a wonderful job, you know, and, uh, it's so cool seeing you shine and watching you from afar. It's been really rad. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Odette. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. 2020. What the fuck happened? All right. Hey, Ty, no need to edit this. I'm just going to roll with this. And guys, shout out to Ty. So this is episode 300. I think she took over episode 22. This is 282 or 278. Uh Uh-oh, almost like it looked like an idiot there uh, in a row. So Ty, thank you so much for rocking it. I've learned so much for you. You just keep showing up and we're doing cool things. Alrighty, so here are some theories of why the world is imploding, or it seems as if it's imploding, which is, it's an illusion. Okay, so in 2012, the world was supposed to end. I was actually in Guatemala for it. I was at like a full moon rave party at Lake Atitlan. It was an incredible experience. I was sober, sober, believe it or not. All right, so a lot of you guys heard that the Mayan calendar predicted in 2012 that the world was going to end. Here we are in 2020. It hasn't ended, although many of us uh, during COVID wish it had. (laughs) All right. So what the Mayan calendar represented, and also um, Graham Hancock, archaeologist and anthropologist, has, has come up with a compelling case that the Mayans inherited this calendar. They didn't create the calendar, but whatever calendar the Mayans used... It shows that in 2012, a 29,500-year cycle uh, finished, right? And so it's beginning of a new cycle. And roughly every 30,000 years, which is the ending of these cycles, uh, most anthropologists agree that the human species goes through an intense uh, an intense evolutionary jump. Yeah. So 30,000 years ago, it was art, it was music, it was poetry, it was architecture, things like that. Now, 60,000 years ago, it was cooking of cooking of food. It was arrowheads. It was weapons. Uh, it was clay pots. It was forks. I love forks and spoons that really made our lives easier today. Thank you humans back then. Um, so, so every 30,000 years, the human species goes through a large evolutionary leap. Now, this is tied to solar flares from the sun. Um, And ironically, well, not ironically, matching up with this, about two months ago on the cover of the Wall Street Journal was an intense close-up photo of the sun. And the article was all about how the sun has just recently had an uptick in solar flares. Interesting, right? And what these solar flares do is it intensifies whatever emotions you're feeling on on the planet, right? So if you're feeling rage, guilt, resentment, or happiness or joy, whatever you're feeling, it's an intensification of these emotions. And many mystics, such as Eckhart Tolle, Jesus, and the Buddha, have recognized that there is a gigantic evolutionary leap that the human race needs to take that we've already embarked upon. Now, like 
some evolutionary leaps, it's clear that uh, for some species, they grow a tail or they grow wings, right? Their conditions have forced them to grow wings and fly, right? Or to crawl out of water because of the body of water they're living in is shrinking for thousands of years. So what they are predicting, again, these are some of the mystics, um, and a lot of people have been saying this, is the evolutionary leap that we're going through isn't one where we grow another finger or a tail or learn how to fly. It is a evolutionary leap in consciousness. So we are departing from the thinking mind collectively as a human race. Is this a bad thing? Turn on the news and you'll be able to answer that question real quick. The thinking mind as a human is flawed. In fact, the Buddhists call this Maya or Dukkha, which is which just means suffering. Uh, and my apologies if I got this wrong. I'm just, I'm just rapping right now. So the, the, um, and the Christians call it original sin, right? So the, the, the common state of the human thinking mind is just foobar. It's messed up, right? It's not quite <laughs> dialed in evolutionary wise. And that is what's happening is we're actually piecing out from the thinking mind and we are going to be relying more on more than just the five senses, right? Tapping into this deep intelligence that the body possesses that's been there all along. And you might say to yourself, well, we need our thinking mind. Well, do we? A, we're one of the only species right now that has this intense capacity of, of our brain, which is the most advanced neurological creation that this intelligence has created. You might say we need this. Well, a lot of other species like dogs and cats and pretty much all the other species, they're intelligent, but they don't need that extra bit of intelligence. In fact, that extra intelligence has gotten to us, has gotten to us into a lot of, a lot of trouble. In fact, Eckhart Tolle says it's almost dangerous intelligence because we're splitting the atom, not for the benefit of mankind. We're learning how to split the atom to create nuclear bombs to, to kill other human beings, right? So this is the evolutionary leap that needs to happen. And almost similar the way a caterpillar exhibits dysfunction before it morphs into a butterfly, the human race is doing the exact same thing. There's extreme dysfunction going on on the planet right now, but it's what's happening is we're burning out the story. Remember how I said earlier in this episode, there's a story, there's a narrative, there's generations of generations of pain and suffering that we've all inherited that we have collectively decided to say, stop, we're breaking the cycle and it ends with us. So I firmly believe that we got a head start. In fact, I did, a, I did an episode, probably 250, 60, 70-ish, where I, I think it's titled, We Got a Head Start. And those with addiction, we are forced to go within because of intense moments of pain. Again, forced. We have the luxury of, of not having any other options. We have to go within and address the inner discomfort which our, which our previous strategy was everything else was external. So we are changing fuel sources as this 30,000 year Mayan calendar comes to a close. We're changing our fuel sources from the external world. And this is where we find our comfort, our satisfaction from external sources. And for us on this podcast, that's alcohol. We are changing our fuel sources from the external five senses to internal, recognizing that our inner world is more real than our outer world. And what's happening with the universe, which is expansion and collapsing, uh, right? So you know, 14, mil, 14 billion years ago, there was a big bang. So we have a micro of that mic. We have a mat. Okay. Hang on. Ty, come back. I'm just kidding. We have a micro of that macro happening internally with us. 
Guys, we have 70 trillion cells that make up the human body and more empty space inside of us that you could take all the mass of the universe, put it into a cube, which would be about a centimeter by a centimeter and fill your body up with all the mass of the universe hundreds and hundreds of times. So the empty space alone in your body, everything that's happening within the universe is also happening within you simultaneously at the exact same time. You guys, this is the topic of enlightenment. This is the topic of waking up. This is what many mystics in the past have already known. JC, the Buddha, the Tao, right? Gandhi, you need to be the change that you want to see. A lot of people have already seen this change coming and we need to embrace it, right? And here's here's the thing the ego does. It's always going to set its own trap. The ego has one common goal in mind. That's separation. That is duality. The ego wants to separate us. The ego wants you to believe that I am separate from you. This is not the case. We are living in a world of duality, but this duality is an illusion. And love, which cuts through everything, is recognized oneness in this world of duality. Pets have such a good way of exhibiting love regardless of what's happening. So we need to stick together, guys. It's imperative we stick together. Um, this, is, this, is, this is the future of the human race. I feel the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years is going to be pivotal. It's, it's, it's paramount, right? But what, I mean, what better time to be alive? We all picked an incredible time to reincarnate, come down and say, you know what? I'm going to work on finding my better me with you, with Paul, with Odette, with everybody else. Let's do this. Let's stick together guys, seriously. And even if you're not struggling with alcohol, but you need that community, come join us at a recovery elevator retreat. The only requirement is we're not drinking that shit. Um, I, I told some JV football kids the other day of what I do. And I told them about our alcohol, sober, sober travel trips our alcohol free, sober travel trips. And one of the kids was like, man, I want to go. That sounds great. I looked at him. I'm like, well, dude, uh, you can't. And then I, I was like, well, wait a second. The only requirement is we're not drinking alcohol. Hell, if you're 18, I, I don't want a 14-year-old coming to India with me. Um, but I said, look, if you're 18 and, and you don't want to drink and you want to build connections with other people that are founded on something more firmly based than alcohol, then saddle up, bro, chacho. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. So, guys, it was so good to be back with you guys. Thank you, Dusty, for sharing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. This is some exciting stuff. This is an exciting time where we live. The recovery elevator, don't forget, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. Rule 22, let's lighten up. We can do this. And recovery elevator, go big. Because eventually, we'll all go home. <laughs>